The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. What was a worse decision than the Saints signing Brandon Browner? You not supporting Saints Happy Hour. You need to become a patron so you can get access to the best Saints podcast every day. Patrons also get access to our private Discord channel where you can talk Saints 24-7, early access to podcast episodes, our world-famous booze bundle with four amazing swag items, and patrons get a chance to be a co-host on the Locker Room app weekly show. So do it. Go to saintshappyhour.com and sign up today. That's saintshappyhour.com. This is Sean Payton, head coach of the New Orleans Saints. What's with this Saints happy cast? This has to be the worst Saints podcast in the world. Ralph can't say anyone's name right. Andrew doesn't know football. Everyone has a hard time listening to Dave. And is Kevin even there tonight? The audio with this podcast, my God, the audio, it's its painful. All right, everybody, welcome to a very special edition of the Saints Happy Hour podcast. Andrew continues his quest to outguest me. I got one good guest, Randy Mueller, and now Andrew's just putting me in the in the dirt. He's just booking great guests after great guests. We got the play-by-play voice of the Saints, Mike Haas. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Love it. I got it. That's Sean Payton stuff. What, 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 what was that? that was- I have not heard that intro. That was he did cameo, Mike, he, and and Andrew was like, we got to get in on cameo before he raises the price. So we were like the first person oh. that booked his cameo, and we were like, insult us, Sean, read this, and he did it, and we use it as our open. Classic, classic. <laughs> classic. Well, anyway, yeah, that, that was that was that was good. Stuff. Well, Ralph's so, yeah, idea, Ralph's, Ralph's idea was that we would have him do it he was like oh yeah we should have him say all these great things about the podcast and i said no 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 no, no. no. have him insult it yeah and then it he feels did more it. it feels more normal then. it does it feels like hey he actually listen actually heard <laughs> well connor does his son is a patron so that's nice so we do that's cool we do have famous people uh so mike the voice of the Saints, you know, I read your interview with John DeShazer and you talked about, made a really interesting point about it that I don't think a lot of people think about it. You're like, there's only 32 of these jobs, you know, like TV, they have a bunch, but people cover the NFL, but there's only 32 voices of the NFL. What was it like for you to get that call? Because I know you had, you, you were one of the finest when they picked Zach Street, but what's it like to like get the call that like, Mike, you're going to be the voice of the Saints? It's, it's a little numbing and, you know, it, there's a lot of, you know, preparation and stuff that goes into that point. And so 
I was talking to Diane Newman yesterday and you know, when, when we were discussing the job, it was always the play-by-play announcer, announcer, play-by-play for the Saints. It was never voice of the Saints. Never. We never used that term, never heard it until that night, Wednesday, when I was introduced as the play-by-play. And, and then from that point on, Christian, everybody, it was, hey, it's the new voice. And then it was like, that was really, wasn't the phone call that I had gotten the job. It was that moment when my new moniker was voice of the saints as opposed to anything else. And it, 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 when I say hit home, like a ton of bricks, uh, it, it did. So it's, I mean, it's the, it's the culmination of a, of an enormously long journey from college, uh, communications to sports casting and, and wanting to make this jump and certainly getting to new Orleans and knowing that the person that you're working with, is also the voice of the saints and would be the voice of the saints for 30 years. So you pretty much knew uh, any play by play route I was going to have was going to be in another market. And I didn't want to ever leave New Orleans. So uh, did I ever think I would get this opportunity? Probably not. Certainly didn't think I'd ever get it twice. You might get one shot two, uh rare, very rare. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. We had Zach Streif on the show. He's, he's a good friend of the show and he's been on several times. And uh, I remember when he first got this job, he came on and he told us he had done a bunch of prep work to kind of get the job. And he was turning in calls from old games, kind of reviewing them and, and, and just kind of learning the chops that way uh, on the fly. Uh, I guess for you though, you've been a media guy, you've been in new Orleans for a long time. The learning curve won't be as steep. I'm guessing how do you kind of prep for this as you get started? Well, I tell you, I think if you look at Zach and I's situation, they are just so diametrically 180 in that Zach was all about learning the broadcast and commercials and when, how much to talk, when to get deuce, and he's the play-by-play, but yet he played the game. And so, so much to him was foreign, but he, he did an enormous job. And you don't even know, you know, half of what Zach was doing was uh, – digital, Facebook, mm-hmm. social media, cameras in the booth, all that stuff is all Zach, 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 Zach. So he's already in three years taking this broadcast to a completely new level. So for Zach, it was about that, the broadcast aspect that was new to him. And for me, it's the stuff that came so easy for Zach is what I'm working on. It's like just looking at a formation and you know determining how much time I have to say two wide receivers left, two, two right. You know, Zach was two by two, two by three. You know, he, he, his football terminology, he didn't have to think about it. He knew the play for gosh sake. He could probably look at the alignment and go, all right, it's going to be a run right. You know, and I'm determining the exact opposite. I'm looking at the defense and who's the running back and is the quarterback under center, you know, all that stuff. So I'm trying to do that in my head, whereas the broadcast, that, that stuff is kind of, you know, I have done that. So it's the football stuff. So conversely, you know, uh, it, we're both had – different challenges uh going in but i will say since he's, he's a friend of your show he's been unbelievable he was unbelievable in 2018 but since you know he went back to coaching we've talked uh, yeah. he's been in, in, in the office here in superdome about what works what doesn't work you know about taking the broadcast to the next level i mean he's been amazing just a great guy and class and man i, I you know I will, he's just been so helpful and I'm just so appreciative uh, of his work and certainly of, of what Jim, Jim's in New York right now. So I've, I've talked to him and certainly I will, I'll reach out to him when he gets back from New York. But, but again, 
he and Zach could not be farther apart mm-hmm. in how they approach calling a game. Uh, Jim is old school, you know, red and green and blue markers, you know, and the smallest print you could ever see on a big board. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. watch him do it and I would go, yep. what in the world? He'd is go in that? the lobby you of the know? old Channel 4 building and sit up there right. and have his flip card and, and, and do, and he would sit and call plays and flip it over and flip it back and it would just be like him late at night at like nine o'clock in the lobby of the WWL building right and remember you know and Jim just can go oh let's see uh Mark West Callaway what how did he do in you know 2019 there's no Google no no, (laughs) and any of that stuff the Saints would have a release that would come out on Wednesday the NFL maybe Tuesday so all of that was there's no distance too far for the perfect trip Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. A fact sheet that you would get from the NFL, and then he would talk to always, you know, constantly coaches and the opposing. But I mean, just think of that job in the 80s, not being able to Google anything. I mean, it was a different end. Zach's all technology. Zach's iPads and, mm-hmm. you know, his car, you know, he's all technology. And so, you know, very, very different, yet very, very good. You know, the voice of the Saints, Mike, is the tone of it. You know, as fans, we don't want impartial, right? You're the voice of the Saints, but at the same time, you have to – tell it like it is and that sort of thing. How do you envision your sort of tone of the broadcast? Whereas how much fan do you put into it? How much impartiality? What's sort of the, I don't know the right word, but sort of the impression, the voice you want to have for your, for yourself calling games. I don't know. (laughs) Because, because I, I really don't know. I'm, you know, (laughs) I, I covered this team hmm. as a reporter for so long. So you have a certain mindset, right? I mean, you're just totally objective, totally. And so, and then I became a season ticket holder and I was a fan for the first time in 20 plus years. I was a fan hmm. and I was a fanatic. <laughs> I was a nightmare. I was a lunatic. So, and then I became, I worked with the team on the sidelines for the last three years. 
So then I'm an employee. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole nother level. So I think goal. So that's when I say, I don't know. I don't know. But I think the goal would be to be not impartial. I'm going to be partial, but I'm not going to be a homer. I don't want to be so obtrusive to the average fan out there. They're going to know that guy's the voice of the saints, but I think there's a pretty fine line between being impartial and being partial to your team and being a homer. And I think that is somewhere of the difference. I don't, you know, I, I don't, I'm fine listening. And this is my personal opinion, mine only. I'm fine listening to the home team's broadcast of anything, but, and I, but if you become such a homer, it's kind of a turnoff for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I want to know that you're the guy. I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I can tell that, but it's just a fine line. Mm-hmm. That's so funny to hear you say that. Cause I'm just thinking of like Joel Myers, you know, on the Pelicans and he's kind of got like that disappointed dad tonality in his, but Jim Henderson had that too. And uh, you know, Zach maybe has a little bit more of like a, come on, brother, how could you do this? You know, he has like that kind of, uh, so I mean, it'll be just interesting to see your random angles and your voice tonality and, and how that evolves. With time. Know, that's right. I think you, you said the right word. It's going to be an evolution. You know, I mean, certainly getting to know Deuce and, and that dance. And I'm, you know, I have the luxury that, that the gym and others didn't have. And I've got NFL game pass. Mm-hmm. I can listen to every Zach and Deuce mm-hmm. game. And I have, I listen to, listen to him all the time on the radio, just, looking for cadence looking for you know not trying to be zach because i say i could never be zach i don't he's you know i don't he looks at a play and can do anything i'm just looking for the people you know and i could never be jim i could i can't even he uses words i've never even heard of (laughs) so uh i just think it's going to be an evolution and i you know i I hope that you get a sense of the emotion of the building Mm -hmm. right you're not there or you are there you're listening but you get you get a feel of the emotion. You get a feel of hey, it's third and eight on the ten. This is this is big, and you get a sense of both Deuce and my uh, love for this team, love for this city, and love for the game. And that that all comes out. You leave win or lose, you you get that. Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, Mike, when we would come out of church at twelve thirty, me and my dad had a running game. And it was, can we tell if the Saints are winning or losing as soon as Jim Henderson gets back from break before he tells the score? And I believe I could almost guess if the Saints are winning and losing just by the tone of his voice. Like it wasn't, it was just this, he would say like three words and you'd be like, uh-oh, the Saints are getting, the Saints are getting their head kicked in again, you know? Um, so I'm just, I'm interested too about you you mentioned that you're starting to do look at games and that sort of thing are you practicing are you doing only good saints games are you doing bad ones are you mixing it up when you watch the game pass i think you're just kind of doing first off on the gym thing when you were young they were always losing that's right the chances (laughs) are when you flipped on the radio they were losing right so I became a season ticket holder in 2006. They do nothing but win. That's so, right. Uh, you know, I just, I, you can't go back too far. I think a lot of it is just, you're just looking and you're watching, I'm watching basketball. I'm watching golf. I'm watching anything now. And I look at it differently. And mm-hmm. so I'm just kind of thinking about doing this play in my head. And so if you can't, if you practice too much on game pass of the 2017 game, you start, mm-hmm. things get in your head, players get in your head. And so I just think it's, 
it's more about saying, forget the names of the people, right? Because that's going to change. But just what you'd say on the play, mm-hmm. what, what is the quarter? Because again, we're, it's radio. We're describing, you know, you can't, you have a lot of people who are at the game. So they're listening and watching. They don't need, but you have a lot of people who are at home, TV turned down, radio up. But really, you're you're painting the picture for the people who mm-hmm. are listening to it on the radio. That's your job. Uh, and so my practice right now, besides the mountain of research of, of the players and the backups, again, Baltimore, it's going to be 180 players <laughs> in a new stadium for me <laughs> and right. my first broadcast and everybody listening whom I've known since the age of two. And, uh, you know, that'll be that will be the hardest game of the 20 plus playoffs that we have that will be right. You forget the the preseason rosters are 90 and you've got random guys that may not even be on the team the next week playing half a quarter week one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how they'll attack three games, but you know, the starters aren't going to play very much. You're going to have the third string fullback for Baltimore. (laughs) I'm going to go, all right, Deuce, third string fullback (laughs) for Baltimore. I mean, you know, right. It's a lot of people. At least you, I haven't even checked the roster. It used to be ninety. I'm pretty sure they'll, they'll have at least at least that. But it's the, that game will be the one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult, game, just because of the, so many challenges. First game, that many people, you know, uh, new stadium. But uh, so that's what I'm doing. So it's it's really the research. But you can you know the games you can practice. But really, if you don't if you don't know the people and mm-hmm. some and some fill and that aspect, you know, is what I'm really working on right now. And then once I get to training camp, then it's about kind of implementing, you know, the players and the stats so that it's not all having to look down and try to find it because it's, that's what, you know, what I learned from talking to Zach, I mean, you, you know, you're getting, I'm, I'm used to it. I'm sure that was probably diff, not difficult, but challenging for him initially is that I'm used to having people talk in my ear and talk mm-hmm. while people are talking in my ear. So I've always had that in television. So you've got a spotter that's telling you blank or showing you and a statistician that's telling you blank or showing you, you know, a lot. And it's, you know, your, your, your head's on a swivel, you know? Uh, and so, man, and you, and it's all in a finite amount of nine seconds. Cause then it's deuced. That's what people want to hear. I, we saw the play. Shut up. We hear what deuce has to say. Uh, and so that's the, the trick. That's the part is to, is to, Find that right balance of, of information and knowledge. Get out of the way and let let Deuce do his thing. Well, Mike, uh, just a little piece of advice: um, if you're worried about pronouncing names correctly, don't listen to this podcast because <laughs> Ralph will absolutely ruin it for you. Um, uh, <laughs> no, but uh, I, I'm, I, I'm I brutal at that. I'm uh, brutal. Yeah. At that. They, if, it wanna... frightens me so much. I could I could practice it a thousand times. And then I'm like, oh, gosh, I just so what? What everybody always did, we just say it fast, say it fast, <laughs> and people go, act like you mean. I think he said it right. Did he say it right? I don't know. I think he said it right. See, Andrew has me shook with names. Like he makes fun of. They make fun of me so much, Mike. Even when I say it right, like I have no confidence. But it's just, it's tough, man. You got to do. You have to say it a lot, and you, you know, there's a. It's it's way. You know, there's more international, more. Uh, Hawaiian more there's so many more mm-hmm. you know names uh, that are that are hard uh, you know harder than ever so yeah it's it's that's part of it yeah. well Mike I want to take a step back real 
quick. Your evolution is so fascinating to me and, and just kind of walk through your, your career. Um, I didn't know that. I actually live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I've been here for eight. I'm a Saints season ticket holder, and I still fly back for games. But uh, but I live in Charlottesville, and I didn't realize that you were a Virginia guy, that you spent time in Manassas and that you went to JMU. And so you, you I, I kind of assume you were just a New Orleans guy your whole life. Um, and, and the reason I felt that way is just I remember watching you at fourth down on four. Um, I remember you being later just an anchor on the news. And so at, at a young age when I was a kid, I just – by the way, you haven't aged at all. I think you Thank might be a high, yes, highlighter or something. You look the exact same. It's all these filters I got going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean, so I've seen you. And then obviously more recently, you're on the sideline with the Saints. And so at every step in your career, as a Saints fan, as a person that watches the New Orleans news, I feel like you've always been there. And uh, and now you've evolved to this. And, and uh, so it's exciting and it, and it feels really comfortable because it's like, oh, yeah, Mike, Mike Haas has a job. I know him. I've known him forever. Um, and I think most people in New Orleans feel that way. Um, but I'm just curious if you can kind of talk a little bit about how you came to this point and kind of your evolution in your career. Uh, for the to go from the to television side or to get to the play by play side to get the, the whole yeah, thing. Just, get just all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I, so you're Andrew. You're sitting in Charlottesville, Virginia, right now. That's right. That's right. Holy cow! Uh, that's one. Of my, that's one of my favorite cities. Uh, I worked my uh, when I left college. My first job, period. My first job ever in out of college was a part-time job at the radio station WCHV hmm. uh, AM, and. No, that was that, that was the that was the FM WCHV. It was sister station AM, and I did drive time news on Saturday and Sunday, like part time. So I was sleeping on my buddy's floor who went to EVA, and then I came back. I went to Harrisonburg in television. He came back, and I worked at WVIR uh, for you know Channel Twenty Nine for a year and a half as a news reporter, and lived in Charlottesville, and I, I did. I was, I was in news, I was in news because when you leave college and you want to get into sports and television, every small station has two sports guys. That's it. Or sports people. Uh, and news will have 11 or 12. So it was very hard to break in. So I took a job in news and then moved over to sports. And so I would do sports at the AM radio station and WCHV, I think it's right. FM. Uh, and so but they had, they made me change my name. So I was Phil McConnell on radio and Mike Haas in news, just, I mean, 85, 84, 85. And so it was, and so that was my first start in, in Charlottesville. I just love it. It was it's just a great, great, great town. So that's, it was all about movement early. So I'm from the DC area. Manassas is like Laplace to New Orleans, 25 miles, it's a suburb. And so the goal was always get back to DC, get back to DC. That's, you know, what, that was the goal. But I knew I needed to, you know, go out and, and learn. So I worked in Charlottesville, Harrisonburg, Charlottesville again in television. And then I got a job as a sports anchor in Lawton, Oklahoma, where I spent a very long year. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great city. People, people are very nice, but it's, it's a tough little city. And then I got, I was a sports director for two years in Lubbock, Texas, Texas Tech. Lubbock is West Texas. You're not near anything. That's right. You are. It's it's called the hub for a reason. There's nothing around it. But it was I was 20, 
war. I was young. Everybody there was young. And so I had a blast. I, had, I loved Lubbock. And so, um, but then I was like, you know, I, I had been a sports director. Now I need to really make a market jump. So I was lucky enough. And, you know, I was fortunate. Chris Myers was the, with Channel 4, it was Jim Anderson, Chris Myers, and Joe Amato. So when Chris went left to go national, I filled Chris's spot. So really it was his, his ambition, Chris Myers and his ambition that was my opening to come to New Orleans. And I didn't even know, I had no idea there was an opening again. No internet. That's right. We used to get broadcasting magazine would come out <laughs> monthly or weekly. And in the back, they'd have a job opening where you'd have to mail. You have to look at an address, mail a tape. I mean, it was a, you know. And so my weekend guy had put in for a job in New Orleans. And so his tape, that's how I found out there was even a job. And so it was luck. And literally, I got hired in January of 1989 and was here 30 days later. And, but again, this was going to be a two-year stop. Man, it was just two years. Get back to you. now, in five years since college, I've been at five stations. So, you know, radio, TV, Lubbock, Lawton, Oklahoma. And so that's what you do. Uh, so and it got here, and Channel 4 was a beast mm. in the day. I mean, we were owned by Loyola at that time. Everybody there was in their 30s and established and good. And I was just a 26 year old, I didn't know anything. My first day on the job, they said, okay, we think Mike Archer is retiring or getting fired. We're gonna go up, you're gonna be live at the top of the show with a satellite truck. And I was like, what, what? satellite <laughs> truck? Like, what is that? I've never even seen one, more or less used one. That was my first day at work. Thankfully, Mike Archer didn't get fired because uh, it was <laughs> would have been a much harder day, but he did have a press conference. So anyway, so she, you know, I became weekends, uh, then fourth down on four, fourth down on four year round. So I did weekends at Channel Four for in sports for 12 and a half, 13 years. Years. Uh, you know, most people do weekends for 13 months. Now like, I gotta get off this weekends, it's <laughs> killing me. Uh, I did it for 13 years. And then when I moved, I said, you know, I've Travel, sports was killing me. I said, I'm going to news just to, you know, better my chances, you know, of, of a upward mobility. And they said, sure, we've got a great job for you. How about the weekend news anchor? <laughs> so I went from the sports anchor chair, and then the next week I was sitting one chair over in the news anchor chair. Just like that. One weekend here, one weekend here. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, but it was very lucky. Did everything, ended up doing everything. Morning show, six o'clock show, 10 o'clock show for many years. Uh, news director a couple of times. I mean, that what, you know, I am what I am in this city, thanks to WWL TV. Uh, and so I'm just lucky. And so the fact to get this, you know, part of my journey now is so rare. You know, I just if you just said, can I do it? I would have, I mean, I did it in college and out of college. That's what you want. But man, again, it was a different time. There wasn't mm -hmm. ESPN2, there wasn't barely ESPN. <laughs> You didn't have the multitude of opportunities that you had now. You had national guys and you had the local radio team. That was it. And so there just wasn't, wasn't if you want to go down that road of play-by-play, -play, you had to decide then that that was the route you were going to take because there just weren't enough opportunities out there. Uh, so that is unbelievably a long answer to your question. Uh, that's, that's, it's all, you no, know, it's great. I just no, put, a few years in, a few years in, I just, 
realized this was gonna, this was it. You know, my my I didn't want to go back to DC. I this I was I loved it here. Met my wife here. Had kids. Mm-hmm. Built a house. Katrina. You know, everything in my my birthday is August 29th. Katrina. Nice. So wow. you know, everything just kind of I, I was meant to be here, and I've I've always felt that way. And nowhere is the fan and the audience closer to their new sports radio talent than they are here, period. Nowhere. It doesn't happen in Cincinnati, in Orlando, in any other market. I don't care what they say. Oh, yeah, we blah, 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 blah. The, the, the closeness and the relationships between the audience and the on-air talent is like none other here. I've never seen anything like it. It's just unique. You know, and the point about the the fans and people being so close to the media, it brings up a point. My brother is a vice president of Tulane. He oversees their mailing and shipping. And he he was telling me a story. When they announced, I think it was only for a short time, that the Times Picayune was like, we're not going to publish every day. He's like, my whole department is freaking out. Everyone in New Orleans, you get the Times Picayune at work and you share it. You take the sports, I take this, and everybody reads it. And it's like one of, I think at one point, New Orleans had like an 83% of the people read something in the Times Picayune. So that, your point about the, the media and the fans just being so close, that reminded me of that story with my brother. Like, they know you and they feel like you're part of, you know, you're part of New Orleans and you sort of transition, you become, you you are a guy from somewhere else, but you stay long enough and we're like, you're, you're from New Orleans now. You're, you're New Orleans through and through. Ralph Marlboro here from Saints Happy Hour. You need to join us every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room app. We are talking Saints or anything New Orleans sports related. On Spotify Green Room, you can interact with us by asking questions or just laugh at me mispronouncing names. Download the Spotify Green Room on your iPhone or Android device, then follow Saints Happy Hour so you can join us every Wednesday night at 9 p.m. to talk Saints or anything else NOLA sports related. So do it. Download the Spotify Green Room app and join us every Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. We'll see you there. My question to you before we get to something that uh, I think people are going to really enjoy. Being where you've come from and you talked about, you know, growing up in the, in, in, in the 90s, doing your job and that sort of thing. Does the play-by-play you think ha- for the Saints have even more of a special meaning because you're of an age like same with me it's like and Andrew's like play by play man that was like god if you could get to the play by play announcer that was like the mountaintop now we got you could be a star and you just start a YouTube channel and you can become famous right but for us it's like there were tears and like play by play was at the tippy top of that yeah, it's it's let's put it this way. It's the pinnacle. I mean, it's the pinnacle of, of my journey. And again, there's 32 of them. There's not you know what I mean? Just like in television, really, when you come to a, to, to a market like New Orleans, there's four stations, three people per station. There's 12 sports openings in New You want to live in New Orleans? Mm-hmm. You got one in 12 shot of landing a job here. It's just that's just the way the industry is. And there's 32 play-by-play guys for NFL teams on radio. And that's the sacred cow. Those that That's, you know, the voice of. It's one of the things that Jim talked about 
when he did, when he left WBL radio for that brief time to go do national games. He did a great job, but he, he, he was not part of the community. He mm-hmm. would do his game, get on a plane, come back. He wasn't part of, he didn't, he's not vested in the win or the loss or who played well. So there, there's a difference. So yeah, it's, I mean, it is, it is the pinnacle. I mean, I, these jobs are like judgeships. I was going to say, it's like judge. Supreme court. You're going to, you're going to have dad, it. Too, my, dad, my dad's a judge, a former retired judge. Mm-hmm. So I know I could say this. They don't, they're, they're great jobs. You know, people don't leave them and they, you become a judge and you're like, you know, yeah, I'm good. No, 85. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. A few more years. They, you know, they, they love it. And so these jobs, they don't come open very often. And so that, that is not lost on me. And, uh, you know, having to follow uh, Jim and Jack also not lost on me. So it's just, I think because of where I am in my career, and my life and my age, I do. I, I if I if I had gotten this at 28, would no way would have appreciated it. No way, yeah. anywhere close to what to where I am now. Uh, already having a connection with the fans, as opposed to being a 28 year old trying to make a connection with the fans. Uh, you know, I just want to. I mean, quite frankly, the bar is up here somewhere. I just <laughs> need to. I gotta. You know, it's about meeting the expectations because the expectations are pretty incredible. All right, so before we talk about the 2021 Saints, Andrew has a bunch of questions about that. We need to go down memory lane because we did a Jim Mora bracket, greatest Jim Mora rant, which, oh, by the way, find it if you haven't listened to it. It's amazing. Mike, he's so amazing at at giving us content. He had four entries in this bracket that happened in the last five years. That's how amazing Jim Mora is delivering just magical television moments. But. This, that we're not going back to when he was like in the in the bracket. The top four were in the last five years. And we had four entries in the bracket. We had sixteen total entries. We had four in the bracket from the last five years that he did. It was amazing. Wow. He's he's amazing. I've I've, I've been at I'm trying to think of the ones I've been at almost all of them, but one that I can think of, and that was Diddley Poo. <laughs> you know, other, so this other one than that. I was standing right there, you know, Ron Swoboda's, all of them. And it's sometimes they're directed at the media and you're like, (laughs) sometimes they're not, but either way, you never knew what was coming. Well, this is it. This is, I'm going to set the stage for this. This is 1991. It is a joint practice between the Saints and the Kansas City Chiefs. This would end up being the best Saints team in history up to that point. They would win a division title. But Jim Mora was spitting nails after this practice and just going at the media, going at everybody. And a young Mike Haas in Ville Platte. uh, No, River Falls. River Falls, right? River Falls. A young Mike Haas is involved. And, Andrew, I believe Mike Haas's question took this rant from – Mount Rushmore to champion. And I want to play it, Mike, and then you can discuss it. You can tell us what was happening as this was going on. <laughs> sure. Oh, we got our ass kicked. We got our ass kicked. It was, it was, it was uh, sickening. First three, we have 18 plays on offense. First 18 plays, we turn the ball over, one for a touchdown. The other one's going to set, set up a touchdown. 
we can't, you know, we got backs that can't hang on to the ball. They out-hit us. They out-toughed us. You know, we, we stunk today. We're, we, we, not even close between that football team and our football team. Not even close. Ridiculous. We run two screens. We don't block anybody. We get a back, gets his knee blown out on one of them. Can block anybody. We stunk. He's just, just getting stunk. warmed up. Jim injuries. I think it's... Oh, I, I, Dean told me he blew his knee out. That's Lionel. You know, you got to block people on a screen. Shit, he gets the ball out there, and two guys, big old animals, nail his ass. Shit, it's ridiculous. We, we run a screen before that, we get our ass nailed. What Shit. about scales, coach? I, I don't know. I don't know. You know, uh, Dean said he couldn't put any weight on his leg. That didn't sound too good to me. Shit, we, we're down, you know, we're down and back. We're down in everything. We, 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 you know, shit, we don't have enough people right now. Be hard to practice next year. Here it comes. Effectively. Pink it done for the year, you think? I don't know. I don't know. Dean told me it looked like he tore two knee ligaments. That doesn't sound very encouraging. Do you take into account of all the fact that they bear? I don't take into account shit. All I take into account is they kicked our ass today. That's what I take into account. Stowers? Stowers. Well, let me let me just tell you something. He looked pretty good, right? They cut him before they came to camp. Kansas City Chiefs cut Stowers before they came to camp. Looked pretty good for us. Maybe that shows you the difference between our team and their team. I don't know. Will you go back to... What practice? do you guys think about that? You, pretty good indication, right? They won't even bring him to camp. <laughs> Shit, he looks like our star of the day for the Saints. Jim, will you change uh, the focus of practice? Depends if we got anybody that can practice. You know, we got to, we can line up and do, do something. Jim, was the effort there today? Did you? Uh, it was all right. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Buford Jordan goes in there and gets a little hit and knocks the ball out. Head gets in there, gets a little hit, ball goes out. Shit, I don't know if that's effort or not. It's horse shit ball carrying, I know that. Horse shit. I mean, Mike. Brutal. It, it starts at a championship level and just goes up, up, up and finishes on a high note. But your yeah. question to him, he just cuts you off. <laughs> right. I was just saying, uh, hey, do you take into account, hey, you know, these people aren't here. You're not, it's not, it's not apples to apples. Wow, they're taking into account. So without, I, that was two minutes and 16 seconds. That's Literally, right. I was there for every second of it. So I don't say it, but ASS, he says five times. The S word, seven. Horse S, twice. Right. That's 12, 14, that's 14 curse words in two minutes and 16 seconds about a practice, you know? And so this, this one, this beat out Swoboda. This week beat out Swoboda. I mean, Swoboda is involved in this bracket all over the place. Cause I feel like Swoboda being an ex Met and winning a world series, like Swoboda would like buck up when Mora would sc scream at the media and maybe try to get y'all to back down. Swoboda would buck up, but we have so many, I mean, we have a whole, we have a whole soundboard dedicated to Mora Jim, I mean, uh, Jim Morris for this podcast, Mike, we have this. Sick, sick, sick people. Mentally I mean, sick, 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 sick people. Well, the, the Swoboda one, with the, the one, the meaningless football game. That's right. Yeah, useless game. The difference, yeah. the meaningless, useless game. Useless. So that the, the, the difference between that and a lot of other things is that that never, I didn't air. Like it didn't air for I mean, it was years yeah. after it happened. No, but nobody, you know, we didn't air it. Not everybody had it. And for whatever reason, mm -hmm. so it wasn't like it was public knowledge right away. It became public knowledge years later. I mean, mm -hmm. people knew about it, but nobody ever seen it. Like it was, it was like a, it was like the lost Kennedy tape. It was. You know? And so <laughs> uh, it was strange because we all knew 
about it, but it never was really out there. I'll say this about Jim Moore. Jim Moore was tough. He did not like the media. He did. He hated that we had to entertain us, so to speak. So I did his coach's show for three years in the early nineties. And it was, that was right when free agency was beginning. Right. So Morton leaves to Atlanta, you know, Aber Atlanta, uh, Sam Mills, Carolina. So as a reporter, again, this gets back to that objective. Like I was like, I can't do a show with you. You're playing Carolina and not ask you about Sam Mills. That's ridiculous. I don't <laughs> care if it is your show. I have to man. So he would get so furious. He would come in. We tape it on a Thursday night and he would sit in his chair slumping. And he would just, you know, there was no pay chat, 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 nothing. And he would just be like brutal. And he didn't, didn't want to talk about it. He didn't want to, he didn't want to, but he knew I was going to ask him. And every, it was every week, it was somebody new that went to the, God, it was just, and they were brutal. Three and 13, I mean, they were terrible. And so we taped it on Thursday. And so one night early on, I, my, my girlfriend at the time, we weren't even married, came down to the show to watch and we would go out to dinner afterwards. And she came the next week. And for whatever reason, he and my wife got along. He loved my wife. And from that moment on, it changed everything. He mm -hmm. came to our wedding. Wow. Jim Moore was at our wedding. It was like in 95. It was two years later from sitting there just, you know, and my wife came and changed everything. Been to his house in Destin, had margaritas on his porch one time. I mean, it was like, wait a minute. What, are you kidding me? So my relationship with Jim Moore is... So, and then it became part of the media, which I think is hilarious. The guy who hated the media then became part of it. Uh, but he, you know, he's he's a, he's a very he's a great guy. Well, you know, but those first few years, <laughs> he was tough. Mike, Mike, I'm curious when you were in, like, when you were with him on that show, was there a small part of you that kind of embraced the comedy and just just thought, man, this is going to make for a great no. show, even if he's grumpy, or was it just no. was it just miserable <laughs> to be around? It was brutal because it's, you, you have to fill, you know, we would fill so much time and his answer would be so short and, you know, kind of dismissive. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, no, there was no, maybe as I look back now, maybe, but not then, I was just like, I was like, oh, dear God. <laughs> you know, they're two and seven. What am I, what am I going to ask him? How am I going to fill? And we would show it Saturday night, you know, right after the news. And it was, it was you know, my wife, God bless her, Betty Ann, save, <laughs> save the day, save the day. Well, I was going to say this about, you know, Buddy D told me, he said, Jim Mora was actually one of his most favorite people because he said Jim Mora, they had a roast of Buddy D, I forget what year, and he said, Jim Mora gladly came back and roasted Buddy, and he's like, Jim Mora, you know he is a, is a great guy because all the stuff – going on during the Saints when they were bad. He just forgot about it all and just was was great with Buddy afterwards. You know, so that that made made me realize that, like, some coaches are just different. Uh, but Jim Moore, I mean, the thing about him, Mike, is he, I feel like, it doesn't get enough credit because he dragged the Saints from the worst franchise in sports – to like where he got them to. And it's so long Jim ago. Jim Finks too. Jim Finks. Jim Finks and Jim Moore together, you know, were were perfect at the time. You're right. 
And I just remember when they hired him, it was such a big deal because he was he was the, he was the hot coach because he had won in the USFL. And I remember the media at the time in New Orleans, I was a kid, but they were like, the Saints, they got the guy everybody wanted. And I just, I don't know, I, I, I always, I, Jim Moore, I feel like he gets a bad rap because he, he never won a no, playoff game. I mean, game like, because he had, you know, the playoff wins. But I mean, you know, 87, great. 88, they were 10 and 6, I think. You know, the problem was they were just in the NFC West with the Niners, when the Niners were the Niners. So you mowed 10 and 6, you don't make the playoffs. I'm like, good gosh, and forget when the division. So there, it was just, it was a lot of timing. But they had, you know, I think the the, the the playoff loss is then the home playoff losses and how they lost, even in Indianapolis. But I, I think that probably plays a role into it. You're right. He took this franchise from, you know, nothing to where they had won their first division, playoffs, you know, all that stuff. And I'll say well, this. Mike. I, let me just, I, I will say yeah. this about Jim Moore, because this, he's, he's, one of his rants was really kind of low key, but it was in lacrosse. And I think about it all the time because he's actually kind of right. We were asking about a sack or something. And he was like, you know, you'll never know. You think you know, but you don't <laughs> know. Because we, know, we never knew. We, ne we didn't know the play. We didn't know anybody's real assignment. So for us to really critique anything, he was like, you can't. Oh, you mean this you one? Do this Because you this don't know. This one, Mike. You you guys really don't know when it's good or bad, when it comes right down to it. Will you make a promise to us? Will you tell us when it's good? And I'm promising you right now that you don't know when it's good or bad. You really don't know. Because you don't know what we're trying to do. You guys don't look at the films. You don't know what happened. You really don't know. You think you know, but you don't know. And you never will, okay? Just for your own information. Sometimes you, it won't, I can tell you it won't be good, and you'll see it won't be good. Sometimes you'll think it's good, and it isn't any good. Sometimes you'll think it's bad, and it was pretty darn good. Sometimes you'll think it's bad, and it was bad. But basically, you really don't know. The only people that really know are our coaches. And that goes with run blocking, pass defense, all those things. The media, public doesn't know, you guys don't know, not really know. <laughs> So. Oh my God! And, you know that stuck with me. Exactly. He's, he's kind of right. He you is. Know? I mean, we don't. I don't know if a guy was supposed to stunt, and he didn't stunt, and so because he didn't stunt, he he leaves the other guy wide. So you don't really know. But that, that stuck with me. That was he could have ended that in 15 seconds, but he went a minute, and that was That's the magic. Of, it was like you were done. We got it. You, like I thought, and you never will. Like he should have been done, but then he kept going. But anyway, that was that to me because he wasn't mad. He was just like, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm telling you something. This is the fact here. You don't know. You think you know. You don't know if it's good and bad. I mean, yeah, especially then in the 90s, like, it's not like you had game points. I mean, it's not like you right, had Game I mean, Pass could rewatch it, you know? Right. But we don't, I feel I, like I'm not knowing what their assignments were. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well, that stuck with me. It's just so throwback, man. I wish there was coaches out there still like that. You know, I feel like you couldn't get away with that in this day and age talking to people like that. But it's right, highly they, they, the NFL makes you do a lot of stuff. You know, the NFL, you got to do this, got to do that. You know, there, 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 there aren't many. I mean, we had, did we, you know, Ditka, we followed up, you know, Mora with Ditka. Hazard, yeah. Hazard was tough, you know, uh, but, you know, they don't, they don't make them like that, like Bill Parcells. 
We'll make them like that anymore. Well, Saints football is almost here. Thank God. Saints Happy Hour needs your support. We need money to buy the finest meats and cheeses to pay Thomas in Poland. We need money to buy show intros like Sean Payton and to have mediocre audio. Supporting Saints Happy Hour gives you the best Saints podcast every day. Access to our private Discord channel to talk Saints 24-7 and the world-famous booze bundle with four swag items. Annual patrons get a month for free. So go sign up at saintshappyhour.com and support the show. Do it. Go right now. Go to saintshappyhour.com. Before we get you out of here, Mike, I want to talk about the 2021 Saints. And that gives me a question. What, as the play, as the voice of the Saints play-by-play, what do you want to – when you have a – because you'll have a relationship with Sean Payton. You'll have a relationship with coaches. What is the key for you – what do you want to get out of them to make your broadcast product better? Again, they're not going to give you a lot, you know, I guess fundamentally what, you know, what, what, what they want to do. I mean, we, we've, you know, and, and you'll probably get this more from the assistant coaches. I mean, I'm, I'm going to get what I get from Sean, just like, you know, Zach probably didn't, but just like Jim. And I mean, Sean has placed things very close to the vest. He plays a smart guy. And so I know him a little bit. I don't know him very well, but you know, I, you're not going to get, a lot. So you, you, you try to get from assistant coaches, players, I think you want to get a, an overall philosophy for this team. And so people ask me, I've already, well, what, what do you think about this year? I, go, I, have, I don't have any idea. Tell me, you know, who's going to be the quarterback, you know? And so I, until you kind of know that and see some of these guys, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily buy into this team's automatically bad because we lost Drew Brees. He's, you know, the, there's nobody better. I mean, period. He's not even in the conversation. So if we take Drew out, but so now Sean, but we, and this is what I tell people, I say, well, guess what? We've known since 2006, pretty much what this team was going to do offensively. Mm-hmm. We could see it and it would line up and I could say, okay, this is going to be passed to Colson across the middle. And it was, and the other team knew it, but they couldn't stop it because Sean was a great coach. Drew was the best. We had good players, but we'd have known what this team's philosophy basically was for years. So did everybody else. Think of the amount of video that Tampa Bay Buccaneers had for the playoff game last year on Drew Brees. And mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh my gosh. So it's not, a, so they, you knew what they were going to do, but yet they still did it, you know, with accuracy and execution. Conversely, what is this team going to look like now? I have no idea, but guess what? Neither do the other 31 teams. For the first time, the other 31 teams are going, well, I don't, what do, what do we look at? We don't have any film? We have, well, we have that touchdown pass from Jameis in the playoff game. We can, we'll look at that. You know, and looking at Jameis at Tampa Bay, to me, is worthless. You know, and if Taysom the guy, who knows? And I think Sean, my opinion, loves that. And that's why I don't think he's going to say anything about his quarterback until he is forced to. Because why not? What do you gain? I just think it's yeah. he's got this, you know, all of a sudden if it's a system and it's Jameis, then you keep the system. But now you've got a more mobile quarterback in the system that changes RPO. It changes everything. And if it's Taysom, you've got a completely new offense. And so, you know, everything starts from, from the look at 21. To me, everything starts at that quarterback position. But I still think this team is a playoff team automatically. I just do, you know. Do you think today? I think they're a playoff team. 
Do you think he's do you think he's going to sort of hide everything in the preseason and not show us much at all in the game? Sort of like remember I remember the Redskins in 2012, they did they showed oh, nothing. RG3. Yeah, they showed yeah. nothing. And then they played the Saints and they're like Hey, hey guys, we're running a college offense, and the Saints were like, "What? Well, I don't know." So, do you think it's going to yeah. be like whatever he's got planned for Jameis? Or what, it, we're not going to see much of it at f at all in the preseason. I totally agree. I mean, if you were talking about you know, like a rookie quarterback, where the guy really needs to get and see the see the the speed, you know, but we're done. The guy he's only played five years, so and he's been around this system for a year. So if again, if it's Jameis, if it's Taysom, same kind of thing. So yeah, I don't. I think it's going to be. I don't know. I don't know how they'll treat three playoff, three preseason games. Like does one they play a quarter, and then two mm-hmm. they play a half, and then three they don't play. You know, because no, no one played in the fourth preseason game. But do you have that luxury? Because OTAs have been, you know, kind of there's been very little mm-hmm. hitting, very little full yeah. speed anything until you get to camp. So I don't know. It's a fine line, but it's 20 games. It's, man, it's brutal. You know, and so uh, I don't, I don't, I think you can, you can gauge nothing. First off, preseason is the worst barometer of anything in sports. If you look at, mm-hmm. you know, percentages, wins, anything, worst barometer for anything. And this year and this team, I think you're right. I don't think we're going to see what we see against, you know, Jacksonville, Baltimore and Arizona is going to be nothing like we'll see against the Packers. And maybe the bigger questions really are on defense. You know, we always go right to, I mean, when you're replacing Drew Brees, you go right there, but, you know, uh, uh, could, could, could be defense, could be interior defensive lineman. I'm excited because I don't know. And anybody that mm-hmm. says they know, you don't. And you mm-hmm. never will. <laughs> because you don't. You don't. Nobody's, we haven't, I haven't, we haven't seen this team do anything. We have no idea. And I don't think, the, I don't think we're going to come out of the preseason going, oh, okay. This yeah. is what we're going to – I don't think so. It's, 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 it's fun not – to me, and me and Andrew have talked about it, it's fun not know. Like, it's fun yeah. to go into the season not knowing. It's I interesting. I totally agree. And I think Sean, for whatever reason, would he want Drew Brees back? Of course. Yeah, I get, don't put that in the conversation. But does he now have, like, a new toy that no one knows what he's going to do? And does he love that? Unquestionably. Unquestionably. Hmm. Bef- a couple of more things before well, go ahead go ahead Andrew you have a question for him well no I, I just uh, looking at this season so Mike I know we talked about how you're going to be acclimating to the preseason and the 90-man rosters from both sides and it's probably going to be more at least at the beginning as the season evolves obviously you'll get into the x's and o's and you'll get into the player once we know the players we know the roster then it becomes more about uh, it's just more dialed in, I think, than during preseason, preseason where it's 90-man rosters. But I'm curious, and I know you mentioned that preseason, and I agree, is not a great barometer. And yet, there's going to be an opportunity to see Ian Book play, um, to see Trevor Simeon play, uh, to see some of these rookies from last year that I f- felt like they were dealt a really bad hand. And I remember Zach telling us this. He's like, look, these, these kids aren't coming in through OTA. If you're a rookie last year, you had no chance. And so now in year two, you look at Zach Bond and uh, Cesar Ruiz and some Troutman, who's going to be a starter at tight end. I mean, there's a lot of stories that I think they will get a lot of action in preseason because they're going to need it. And it's going to be a big sign, I think, towards their development. So I'm just curious if there's any 
things about preseason that you're excited about in terms of what it means for the Saints? Well, I think you're right. I think you have to look at, you know, people who are either going to be stepping up or breaking out. And so are they, are they stepping up because they're in the third year of their contract and it's time. All right, you show me something, or do we need you to step up because, Hey, you're uh, Adam Trotman. And guess what? We lost Jared cook and Josh Hill who combined had 54 receptions and eight touchdowns. So we need Adam to do more and Nick Vanette because we've physically lost a lot of receptions and touchdowns. So that's different to me. Whereas we're looking at a Traquan Smith. All right. We've seen some flashes. We need to, to see, see more of that. Uh, and so, and I think because of their positions, I think Pete Warner and, and Paulson are going to see legitimate time, you know, legitimate time, maybe, and maybe same thing with uh, Kawan Baker and Landon Young. You know, linebacker and quarterback, you have more opportunity. You know, Peyton Turner, it doesn't – he can sit back and learn a little bit. You know, I think there's a lot of pressure on Marcus Davenport, but I don't think that we are asking Peyton Turner to come in and, and, and be the guy. You know, but whereas Pete and Paulson and Landon and Kawan, you know, those guys could, could, could play a role just because of their position, linebacker and, and defensive back. So – I think it's a little bit of both. I think the, that the preseason for the, for the really young guys, the rookies, very important. The preseason for the guys who, the, who've mm-hmm. been there, the Troutmans and the Ruizes and stuff like that. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not as worried, but when the season starts off in green, with, with Green Bay here, then I think it's important. Then I think, all right, you know, it's, it's, it's step-up time because we need you. And uh, so it just depends on the position, but wide receiver certainly, and, and you know, a few months ago, they were 100 million in the hole. That's now right. they're 10 million to the plus. They've got some money to go get them a wide out or a cornerback or a linebacker or an interior defensive line, whatever they might need. And I think they will. They'll, they'll, they're not done. I mean, Mickey's never done, <laughs> you know. And so uh, there'll, there'll be some additions. You know, one thing, Mike, that we talk about on this podcast is. To see the evolution of the Saints from when we were kids as a joke of a franchise to being a model NFL franchise under Gail Benson. And not only that, to Terry Fontenot, he got a job with Atlanta. Kai Harley, people are going to be coming for him to run a team soon. To see the Saints evolve into this just brilliant organization and and in the community and and they've always done that but I feel like with Gail Benson and Mickey Loomis in the last two to three years it's even gone to a different level what's you what as a guy who's been here for so long what sort of impresses you most about the Saints over these however many years and specifically the the transition of of ownership you know well, certainly, I, I mean, Mr. Benson did a lot for the city, and then Gail has kind of taken that torch and taken it to a new level. I mean, she's, I've known her for many, many years. She's just, what you see is what you get. She's generous. She's just, you know, Southern charm. You know, she's just a very, very, you know, great person. It was just, it is what it is. And so, she, yeah, I think she's made it more visible. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe whereas Tom probably did it, we didn't hear about it as much. They've been, you know, her philanthropy with high schools and hospitals, uh, you know, not even just here, San Antonio, Canton, you know, is is unbelievable. But I, but I think the biggest key to where this franchise is now has been the consistency. 
I mean, who had a Mickey Loomis, a Sean Payton, and a Drew Brees? Mm-hmm. That that triumvirate together for such a long time. A Pete Carmichael, uh, who probably you know, if he didn't look like he was twelve, you know, you know, he's just <laughs> he's, he's brilliant, you know. And 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 they have they've been able to keep the the nucleus of that together, mm-hmm. and and they've won. I mean, forty nine and fifteen, mm-hmm. you know the last few years and really just they traded all for you know a ring but we've become so spoiled and so used to winning 13 and 3 means nothing to us that's you know right what I mean? and what how can that possibly be i was like oh 13 3 okay yeah i don't know that's good that great postseason yeah. you know so it was it was postseason so it's and who would have who if you'd have told us that 20 years ago we'd say you're crazy We'd go thirteen and three and not be oh, all right. That's good. We're another division. Cool. You know, uh, you know, four straight. You know, it's just like crazy. But now, and in, in, in the last three or four years, it's all been about winning. Now it was mm-hmm. about getting that ring. And seventeen, you know, Minnesota was painful. Nothing will ever top the Rams. And then Minnesota again. You know, if you think about, I was, I was, I was doing some research and looking at the Saints' playoff history, and Vikings and Rams. It is. You oh. took those two teams out. They were, I hope they played three of the guys, three of the teams. I mean, Philly and Arizona. It's like, but the Rams have always had this craziness, and the Vikings have always had this craziness. Like, man, so the, the unique relationship of those two teams. But I mean, you know, winning during the regular season, un- unfortunately, anymore for this fan base is not good enough. Winning an NFC South is not good enough. We're, we're, we're spoiled. We're spoiled. We're spoiled. We're we spoiled rotten. And and I, I, it makes me and Andrew feel like old guys because we're like, enjoy. Like, in, yes, the endings have yeah. been terrible, but the winning during the year is so much fun. Like, and and people are like, oh, well, maybe we just need to go. I'm like, three and thirteen is fun for about two weeks. You make all the jokes, and then you wake up on Sunday and you're like, this is misery because we you you go to the game and you have no hope for Drew Brees. For 16 years, in spite of having the worst defense in NFL history for a stretch, we woke up every Sunday and we're like, Saints can win because Drew can just go be Superman. And I just think that over time, it's just it's, it's spoiled it's spoiled our fan base incredibly. But I think this year is going to be tremendous, Mike. And I can't wait to hear your calls. And thanks for giving us time. And it's I enjoy the ride. I think I think people I think people are gonna. Once we know football is back, I think people are going to embrace this season because of the COVID and just the weirdness of last year. I think Saints Nation is is just going to come roaring back, and it's going to be above normal levels, which is just, you know it, it's crazy. I think it's going to be a level above this year because we're, we're, we know what we missed, and we're ready to get back. Yeah, I, t- I agree. I think it's, it's there's an excitement that's building. We all don't really know. We haven't really seen much of this team. But if you were here at any of the games last year, I was at every one. And from that first Tampa game to where we had the practice squad players, 11, 11 <laughs> sitting in each, you know, stands. And that was it uh, to where they had 6,000 for the Falcons game. And it felt like the Super Bowl. Um, uh, it's, I can't imagine what it's going to feel like to get back with full capacity. And I, I think, you know, the schedule is the schedule. It's not, 
great. It's not impossible. Uh, and I just think, you know, I just, I, th- I think this football, I think Sean is going to find a way and I think he's excited. I think we're going to see some stuff we haven't seen. And if the defense can be, you know, we never, we never asked the defense to do, you know, to do too much. Cause we've always had drew, but now we, you know, we don't have drew. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I, pre- I appreciate the time. I'm looking forward to it. And I, you know, I've never, it'll be something new for me. I've never, you know, I've never, this will be the first time I've watched the game from this position. And, you know, the press box was on the 300 level. That's right. I was in sports. Now, now I'm like, I went up here the other day with my binoculars. Like, are you kidding me? We, what, we're way up here. <laughs> also dress it's warm, tough. Mike, dress warm. It's, it's... Uh, that, I, that I do know. That I do. Trust me, I'm on the field. I've been, I've been on the field in like sweaters. And people are like, what, what's going on? Like, it's freezing down here. So I'm used to that part. So that's Mike Haas. He's the voice of the Saints, guys. You know him. It's going to be amazing. Mike, thanks for giving us time. Guys, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for supporting the show. And we will see you again on the YouTube stream live Sunday night.